Amy, we've got a bunch of little nieces and nephews between us, but we've also got a catch-all gift that all of our siblings love for their newborns. You're totally right, and it's Pampers Swaddlers, because Pampers Swaddlers wick wetness away to keep babies drier and subsequently parents happier. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better versus the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance. They're hypoallergenic and they're free of parabens and latex. Now you can try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes won't tear. In fact, they grip mess, shall we say, more firmly and clean better, leaving baby skin dry, soft, and smooth. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers Cash has no cash value. Hello, welcome to Fresh Take from What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the face of motherhood. This is Margaret. And today I am talking to Erica Ladd and Kelsey Wharton, who are two good friends and former next door neighbors who co-host the Girl Next Door podcast, a show that feels like hanging out with your girlfriends. They bring their different perspectives, sounds familiar to every topic and haven't run out of things to talk and laugh about yet. Welcome, Erica and Kelsey. Hello, we're so happy to be here. Today we're talking about boundaries, something we've talked about before on the podcast, but, and we'll get there, certainly boundaries around the holidays. But let's start, let's back up a little bit and talk about boundaries. I feel like boundaries, grit, I don't know, there are certain terms that in the parenting and living spaces, people throw around a lot, right? Like I've stated my boundaries, she has her boundaries, she's enforcing her boundaries. And it's kind of one of those things of like, what is this? What is, what do boundaries mean to you when you hear the term boundaries? (laughs) I'm going to say Erica should go first on this. Erica's superpower is boundaries. So Take it away. I have learned so much from her. Oh, we can learn. We are here to study at the throne of Erica on all things boundaries. Oh, so funny. I love a good boundary, probably to a fault. Okay, so I've heard some great definitions about boundaries, but one of my favorites and my personal one that I've adopted is a boundary is where you end and I begin. So I love that because so often we think a boundary is about walling ourselves off or enforcing these strict rules with our people, right? And really, I think it's just simply like clearly marking off your space, be that physical, mental, emotional. It's the whole fences make good neighbors thing, right? So even metaphorical fences. So that is kind of how I I think that's really true. And I think we talk a lot on the podcast, whether it's gift giving or setting rules of, can you have this conversation once? And I think one of the gifts of boundaries, I have some issues with boundaries, but one of the gifts of boundaries is that you can have a conversation once. Remember, when we yell, we lose, whatever, not quite a boundary, I guess it's more of a rule, but like we've decided to split the holidays between our two different extended families and alternate years. And so that the discussion doesn't have to happen every single year where we're starting from scratch at 
take the knife out of the ham and just stab me if you're not going to come for Christmas, which, by the way, is a Sopranos reference for those of you who are younger than me. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) That's the Soprano. The mom on the Sopranos is like, at some point, she's like, take the knife out of the ham. It's like, what kind of holidays are you having? I love that. And I think that's a lot of my motivation for creating boundaries. I get such decision fatigue and also just immediate fatigue over whining and negotiating from kids about things. I do want to decide about it one time. I want to make it very clear. And I do think that that goes for larger family dynamics too. I sort of don't want to revisit every single year. How do we do this? And those same pain points come up over and again. I would rather kind of do some of that harder work. If it is harder, think about it, talk about it. Let's come to an agreement, hopefully for smoother sailing in the future. I think that's right. And you said, right, Erica, you're good at boundaries. I think for a lot of people, you know, a lot of us, especially females, if I may be gendered for a moment, grew up to be pleasers, right? That like, it's our role to make people feel good and make people happy. And that as a young person, sometimes that's easier. And then as we get older, and we marry and we have kids and we have jobs and we have all these different responsibilities that if we keep trying to please everybody, we either, one, get in trouble with people because we're promising things we can't deliver, or we are constantly triggering that scared part of ourselves that's like, oh, I'm doing that thing I hate the most, which is letting people down. And not only, probably leaving very little, if anything, for yourself and maybe losing touch with even how to get in touch with what you need and what boundaries you need when you're thinking so much about giving to others. That's right. If there's ever a time that you need to set better boundaries, it's when you are spread thin that you have to... I think for a lot of people, the idea of saying no is so challenging that if you don't decide it in advance, it's almost like you can't do it in the moment. You'll crumble. You'll crumble. Oh, yeah. You can't do it on the spot. That's right. That like you can't be put to the test to say no. You have to have no as a policy. And then it's like, see reference A. Remember, we talked about this. Right. And not ending up there. Exactly. And I think I think about this too. It might even be a reference from an older episode of the Mom Hour, which of course we love and gotten so much wisdom from them. But I think they said something about basically saying no, or I think setting a boundary being a muscle that you exercise. It is a practice. Start in little ways saying no to volunteering to that class party if it's something you don't really want to do and don't have the time to do and work up to saying no to your mother-in-law that you can't come for Christmas this year. Do you know what I mean? So you have to, you do have to think about those little ones. And I do think the more you practice and you get used to you know, saying that and saying it without apology, you can work up to the bigger ones, but it is a practice. It's hard. Well, and I think the hard part about boundaries in general, especially that gendered side of it, like you were talking about, is they have this automatic negative connotation. We don't want to be harsh. We don't want to disappoint anyone, like you said, but we have to be willing to sometimes disappoint someone else sometimes and not just always ourselves. 
and our own immediate family. And that's what ends up happening. Like you said, when you don't set them, you get in trouble with other people, but it also causes all this internal conflict, all this conflict with maybe your spouse or your kids because you're not actually getting, you know, the holiday you want or the the schedule you want because you're just so afraid of disappointing everyone out there. And I think it's not okay to just constantly disappoint ourselves because we're too afraid to set a boundary, you know? That's right, that we forget in the story of like, I don't want to hurt anyone, that that has to include yourself and your family and your kids. Because often we feel like, well, I don't want to hurt anyone. So I'm going to do something that is going to make myself and perhaps my nuclear family unhappy, challenging. And I also think there's phraseology around this. Kelsey, you were talking about this idea of practicing it. And I hadn't thought that much about it, but that you need, it's like a toolbox that goes with your boundaries. So what that phrase looks like, because also there are people who are quite good at manipulating people who are pleasers, right? And so you need to really practice the thing of, I know if somebody expresses disappointment in me, that that can trigger me to be like, okay, all bets are off. We have to fix this. Like the idea that I could sleep if someone was disappointed in me is absurd. <laughs> like that's clearly not going to happen. <laughs> and and really practicing phrases for the other person, but also for yourself, which is I have chosen to prioritize my family's needs and talking through that. And like, do you have any kind of phrases or things you go to when people, because I don't tend to be like, this is a boundary that we have set. I don't tend to put it in those terms. And I do think that can be kind of triggering for people of like, oh gosh, like they learned that at therapy and now they're, (laughs) it sounds condescending kind of, or like, oh, look at you with your therapy phrases. So how do you express your boundaries? Are you, do you have go-tos? Well, I think first of all, less is more. I think that's part of the problem is we end up thinking that we need to explain everything to the nth degree. And when in doubt, just say less and be very clear and focus more on what you will be doing. So instead of like, we won't be coming to Thanksgiving this year because of this, 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 and this. Instead, just say, you know, we're going to be spending Thanksgiving with John's family or whatever. We would love to have you for dessert or brunch later that weekend. Which one of those work for you? Do you see why it's her superpower? Mm, That's so smart. (laughs) Erica, you really are the queen of boundaries. Boundary queen. I'm really getting it. I'm seeing it. Sometimes people throw around that phrase superpower, but I'm really seeing it. Lots of practice. But honestly, it's almost like talking to a toddler, you don't, especially someone who's disappointed, you don't give them a ton of like open options. You give them one or two things that you're showing, hey, I value spending time with you. It's important. And you're giving them some agency again, because I think that's part of why people push back. That's why you get the mother-in-law pushback sometimes or whatever it might be, because they feel out of control. They feel like they're no longer in control of the family and what the family does. And I'm just at everybody else's mercy, you know, the long suffering. So I think giving them a couple options that like, hey, and it shuts down that like, oh, you don't want to see me just stab me with the fork. You know, it shuts that down because you just already offered up what you are willing to do. I think that's right. And I think it's good to remember that like, I mean, we are going to be mothers-in-law someday. And like our own traditions and our own expectations of what our family looks like is going to be a hard change for us as well. And like practicing this 
is just such a good idea. And I think that advice is really solid. It's like where we get lost is getting drawn into conversations that become fights, that become bad feelings, where if you not so yeah, put up a wall, but you kind of keep it very simple. There's less to fight about. I have another thought about that. We're going to take a break and we're going to continue talking about boundaries right after this. Margaret, I've got a go-to baby shower gift that I give whenever there's another newborn in my life. Can you guess what it is? Amy, three guesses, first two don't count. It's Pampers Swaddlers. Exactly. Pampers Swaddlers keep baby's skin dry, happy, and healthy. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better than the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist-approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic, and free of parabens and latex. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes are five times stronger, gripping mess more firmly, shall we? say, and making diaper changes a breeze. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. So I have been taking my Nutrafol regularly, and oh my goodness, it works. Friends, I'm here to say, ditto, it works. I mean, most of us will experience hair thinning at some point in our lives, and yes, it's perfectly normal, but if you also see your part getting a little wider, join the over 1 million people who are doing something about it with Nutrafol. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist-recommended hair growth supplement with over 1 million people seeing thicker, stronger, faster-growing hair with less shedding. Nutrafol has multiple formulas that are tailored to give your hair what it needs to grow based on your age, your lifestyle factors, because a one-size-fits-all approach to hair products isn't practical. Nutrafol supports healthy hair growth by targeting key root causes of thinning like stress, hormones, environment, nutrition, lifestyle, and metabolism. So take the first step to visibly thicker, healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and enter the promo code LAUGHING. Find out why over 4,500 healthcare professionals and stylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com, promo code LAUGHING. That's Nutrafol.com, promo code LAUGHING. Amy, you know me well enough to know that my daily power breakfast is... Toast with peanut butter on top. Toast with peanut butter. It's also, by the way, one of my favorite power breakfasts. So we agree on that thing. We were recently together and we shared some toast with peanut butter. And I'm going to tell you, we used Hero Bread. It adds even more protein and fiber to that combo without adding any more sugar. Hero Bread has remade the carby, empty calorie bread products into versions that include no net carbs, zero gram sugar, and fewer calories, plus more protein and fiber while still being super fluffy and delicious. I was not sure that that particular combination was going to be possible, but Hero Bread has figured it out. Yeah, this is one I'm glad they let us try. It's like, it really tastes good. I've been trying to add more protein to my diet, and I would have thought that a hamburger rolls was not the place to do that, Amy. <laughs> but all of Hero Bread's products, from rolls to tortillas to croissants, we please, offer protein and fiber, zero to one grams of net carbs, and zero grams of sugar. 
Start your Hero Bread bundle on their website and get 10% off your order. Go to hero.co and use the code motherhood at checkout. I like this bread, people. It's H-E-R-O dot C-O and code motherhood for 10% off your order of Hero Bread. So my mother was a therapist and she had a phrase that she used all the time, which I didn't understand back as a young person, but now that I have kids, I'm like, ah, ah, total revelation, which is boundary seeking behavior. And she uses it in relation to kids a lot that like kids that sometimes I think as parents trying to be pleasing, trying to have a happy home, we move our walls back and back and back because people are pushing against them. But that in fact, if we can reframe some of this behavior as boundary seeking behavior, this could be coming from our kids. So a kid who's starting to try out curse words and, you know, people have different boundaries around that, which is fine. Some people allow cursing in their house. Some people don't. Some people allow the adults to curse, but not the kids. Some people allow it during songs, not during all sorts of different versions of that. But I know when my kids start using curse words, like it's like, uh uh-oh, they're seeking, they want to, what they're asking me is where is the line on this? And it is my job to provide that line and to hold that line, which is challenging and hard. So another version of boundaries is how we set them for our kids? What kind of experiences have you had around that? I will say, I feel like one thing I am trying to do, kind of like you're describing, is to observe a little bit. And, you know, like on curse words, for example, it might be something that I kind of put a soft boundary in place at first and kind of observe. Is this a thing they're just wanting to do kind of once? Is it really a pattern that they're picking up? I can think of other behaviors around this, but just kind of observing before. I think sometimes I tend to want to come in with like a hard and fast boundary. And some of that I feel like is beneficial to bring your kids into that if they're old enough, like I'm having tweens now to kind of see where that middle ground is. Maybe not necessarily on cursing, but Anyway, that's one example I'll give. I think too, just remembering overall that that is your job, like you said, as the parent and it. And if we are keeping that negative connotation in our head about boundaries, that's going to transfer into dealing with our kids. And really, boundaries don't have to be harsh. They don't have to be punitive. They do not have to be about what you can't do. They can be about what you can do. Like you may be on your phone whenever your schoolwork is done for the day you may, you know, it doesn't have to just be no, 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 don't, don't, don't. And I think if we can flip our own thinking about that, that helps. That's a really good point. Really smart. Yeah. That it doesn't, we don't have to just see ourselves as like the no machine that we're helping our kids because finishing work before being on our phone, like I would like someone to set that boundary for me because I struggle with that myself. But like, that's a healthy approach to something. And it's kind of nice to be that observer and help with that. And I think that's an interesting point that boundaries, we tend to think of them as like, like we're the mean ogre, like standing at the wall being like, don't come in here. But right, it can be a little bit more. And I think One of the things that in doing the podcast for so many years, I've really changed my mind on is that rules make kids feel really safe. Another thing my mom used to say is keep the lines tighter than you actually want them to be because kids want to feel the feeling of going outside the lines. But, you know, like 
cursing is such a simple example, but my kids are now tweens and teens. They have used curse words. I'm pretty aware of it. We're pretty strict about it in the house, but they love sneaking and cursing. And then when I catch them, they're like, oh, I'm so sorry. I knew it. And I think it is, Kelsey, you said it, it's a fluid kind of situation, but I think that kids are looking for that container. They don't actually want to feel like everything is out of bounds. Right. You can see it in a, think about a classroom setting or back when you were in the classroom. I was an elementary teacher for a long time and you can see even other kids be anxious about where is the teacher going to draw the line when a kid is crossing it, right? It makes everybody feel on edge when they're not sure that the adult is in charge because that's how nature works, right? Like we're the ones with the developed brain, ideally. (laughs) And so like, if we are just constantly treating our kids as an equal in terms of decision making, like, yes, they are a whole person and should be respected as such, but they don't make good decisions yet. Like their brain is not developed. So our job is to help them do that. And the way we do that is through boundaries. And it's just a part of the deal. It's like feeding them. It's like, you know, taking them places. It's just a part of the deal. It's not us being mean. Right, right. It's doing the job. And I think that element of safety and and that, right, that feeling, everyone's had that feeling where some member of the house is out of control. And it sets a level of tension among everyone in the house, because it feels like we're outside of the parameters of what we understand to be the rules. And that is a scary feeling, not just for our kids, but for us as well. It can be really scary. And So let's talk a little bit about, I think sometimes we've heard feedback from people of things are out of control in my house. And it feels like the boundaries were walls and the kids ran through them. And now we're all just... Now there's bricks everywhere. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Like, it's like, wait a minute. And I think for people, boundaries feel sometimes a little too one and done. Like if people go through them, then, uh uh-oh we're host. So how do we reset boundaries if we feel like things have gotten to that out of control place? Well, I think it's first of all, really important to remember that a boundary is not about controlling other people's behavior, Hmm. including your kids. Say more about that. A boundary is what you are going to tolerate or accept or what you want around you and how you're going to react if that boundary is crossed. So for example, if the boundary is, and this is really hard for me because I would rather that boundaries were about controlling everybody else's behavior. Oh, I mean, (laughs) the the eldest child so much easier. Wouldn't it be so easy? Control other people. Yes. I really want it to be that way, but it's not. So even like, so people think like, okay, I set this rule or this boundary for my kids. They broke it. Now what? Well, the now what is the boundary actually. The boundary is, let's say the rule is you don't curse in the house. We don't curse in this house, right? So they push against that rule, which they're going to. So the boundary then is what is clearly communicating what the consequence is going to be and calmly and firmly following through on it. It's not, and that could be whatever you decide, whatever you and your partner, you know, that can look like all kinds of different things. And you may need to try a couple different things, but it's about consistently and firmly following through on that. It's not controlling the fact that they will never swear again. Like that's not how it goes. And so I think, and I think what happens, that's probably not even desired. Right. 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 And I think what happens is when kids break a rule, you assume your rule wasn't working. No, they're supposed to break the rules. That's what they, like you said, that is what they do. And it may take a few times before that behavior actually is ingrained where they're like, Oh yeah, mom's not kidding. I can't swear in the house. 
you know, you don't have to throw the baby out with the bathwater because they broke the rule or the toddler throws the tantrum when you set a firm limit. So that means that limit is wrong. No. Right. Or some kids see a wall and they're like, oh, hooray, a wall. I love being on this cozy, safe side of it. And then some kids see a wall and they're like, what the heck's on the other side of that? I got to go see. They grab a chisel. Exactly. That's right. And that's so right that kids are going to respond really, really differently to those situations. I also think this is something we can discuss with kids, right? And we can say like, I have noticed lately that the cursing in our house has gotten completely out of control. And we're going to do an all family reset on this. And we can say like, I know for me, this reset usually happens around meals and food and like, okay, we're going to stop. We're like, I forget to cook dinner. So everyone grabs a cheese stick and sits in a different room in the house on their phone. Like that's actually not what I want my life to look like. And so I think involving the kids in it can and and you probably don't use the word boundary in that but like it feels like we're all on our phones too much it feels I don't like the fact that there's so much fighting between the siblings like we can go back right and try to reset that for them how do we do that Yeah, I would say I really like what you're bringing up of having that family conversation. And honestly, that's one of the things that I'm enjoying so much about having tweens. And I currently have a tween, one who's on his way to being a tween and a toddler. So I'm kind of getting like the tantrum, the tween and the toddler tantrums. It's very interesting and sometimes very challenging. But what I really enjoy about those tweens is being able to have those conversations with them and hear their feedback and hear their ideas and bringing them into creating that family dynamic and and still very asserting myself and my husband as like you know we are the ultimate authority figures but we are here to hear your feedback and kind of like Erica was mentioning the consequences i think you know anything that you establish we try as much as possible to have natural consequences as much as possible. You know, I hear some friends going to consequences like being grounded and just having to come home from school and be in their room or, you know, whatever it is. No screens tends to be a big one, right? Yeah. And as much as possible, I try to think about what if there's a natural consequence to that. I mean, maybe them being late to school and not having done their homework, that is a consequence, you know, if they didn't get up in time, get their stuff done in time, whatever it is. And so trying to pair a natural consequence like that, and like you said, talking about it, making it very clear, and then firmly, but consistently enforcing it. Yeah, we're dealing with that right now with my teen. And it's, you know, the getting up in the morning has just become like a no holds barred, you know, wrestle-o-rama match, not physically, but verbal wrestling. And we did finally just have a kind of moment of, oh, what if we completely stop doing this and say, we have to drive in our town, there's no buses. This is when the car's leaving and you're not, if you're not in it, you can walk or ride your bike. Yeah. 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 And see, that's your boundary then. This is when the car is leaving. You're not saying like, this is when you must be up. You're saying this is when the car is leaving. Mm -hmm. Right. You have to do things differently. That's right. It's an interesting change of idea of this is the decision I'm making for my own sanity. And Mm -hmm. it just cuts down on so much craziness. And it helps you with that. You feel like you have a plan. Yes. 
it feels like, okay, this, cause I have a kiddo who will push. I have one that loves the wall and wants to stay on the safe side of the wall at all times. And I have another who will, anytime she's going through a new developmental phase, anytime we're trying something new, it will, it's push and push and push until you show me that you can handle this in a calm, consistent way. Right. And I, of course, forget that every time. And I'm like, what is this new phase we're having where we're refusing to do our work or, we're, you know what I mean? Like, whatever it is, I'm like, oh, yeah, she's going to keep doing that until I just show her that I mean what I say with my boundary and not try to, like, force her into this box of compliance. You know, she just wants to see, yep, mom's in charge. She's not bothered. But until I can show her that, it, it doesn't happen. You know, you got a problem. And as we were saying, then you're only having the fight once, right? It's like, oh, remember, see exhibit A. Like we have discussed this before, hopefully. Believe me, you're never going to have the fight once, people. It's not going to happen. And do you know what? I want to follow up on that too, thinking about the kids getting ready in the morning or maybe getting their work done on time. I think that sometimes when we set one of those boundaries, we also have to remember there is a certain element of us letting go. I think it can be so powerful for you saying the car is leaving at this time, but then letting that kid get ready how they want, when they want, if they're rolling in without deodorant. I mean, that's a natural consequence for them. In pants, let's say, that are four inches too short for them. Right. So I think maybe sometimes we have to remember some of that too. Like we set a boundary and for kids of a certain age, it is really important for them to meet that boundary. But however they get there. And we kind of have to practice too. you know, here's the boundary, you meet it how you want. And, and then you can go from there. If you are noticing like, okay, now that you're getting here on time, let's talk about maybe combing your hair, whatever it is. <laughs> exactly. Totally agree. When we come back, we're going to be talking about holiday boundaries. Oh, holiday boundaries. So much to say. Margaret, I've been at the research again, looking into metabolic health, and more importantly, metabolic flexibility, which turns out is the key to improved energy levels, better sleep, better fitness, all the things. And I found out about all this because we got a chance to try Lumen, the first handheld device that helps you manage your metabolic health. Lumen works when you breathe into it. If you do that first thing in the morning or after a workout, Lumen measures your metabolism by measuring the amount of carbon dioxide in your breath. It's science, people. That lets you see exactly what's going on in your body in real time. Then you use Lumen's app to get tailored guidance to improve your sleep, your nutrition, even stress management. If you're interested in figuring out the effects of different sorts of foods on your body, Lumen is a really cool way to see what's actually happening as your body burns different fuel sources. If you want to take the next step in improving your health, go to lumen.me and use Fresh to get $100 off your Lumen. That is L-U-M-E-N dot M-E, lumen.me, and use the code FRESH at checkout for $100 off. Thank you, Lumen, for sponsoring this episode. Hello, Hellions. You know we listen to a lot of podcasts that aren't our own, and today we want to tell you about a podcast that really speaks to us and will speak to any parent of a child with special education needs. The podcast is called Understood Explains. This season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Otube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. The latest season of Understood Explains covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP, and it busts common myths about special education. One of my kids has an IEP, and I found this podcast so validating and so helpful. I feel better equipped to 
advocate for my child's educational needs now. This podcast is helpful for parents in many different situations, whether your child already has an IEP or you're just starting to wonder if they might need extra support in the classroom. Juliana has content for kids of all ages and for kids who are learning English as an additional language as well. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains. So I found this Brene Brown quote, which people have probably heard before, but she talks about how boundaries are about choosing discomfort over resentment. And I think at the holidays, like this rings in my head, the idea she always talks, she has a ring. And whenever anyone asks her to do something, she has to turn the ring a certain amount of times before she answers. And I think at the holidays, I mean, people think about sharing time with families. We've talked about a little bit, but just the mom plate, just everybody walks by and adds something to it. And so how do we begin to think about setting boundaries oh boy. around the holidays? We actually just recorded a podcast episode <laughs> yesterday that's all about holiday logistics and kind of calendar management. I think that's the first place to start your holiday boundaries is early and just trying to wrap your head around logistics. And if you are, you know, if you're married, you're parenting with someone, they need to be part of that decision too. So I think there's just a kind of like getting the big picture of it and kind of going from there. So I would say that is a great first place to start. Yeah, I think too, just remembering that part of the reason holiday boundaries are even harder is there's so many feelings wrapped up in the holidays. There's so many traditions. It feels like your relationship and how much you value it is wrapped up in said traditions sometimes. And there's inevitably, though, a lot of change. Like you said, one day we're going to be the mothers-in-law, perhaps. And we have to remember that like we're all supposed to change. If no, you know, some of these traditions were started because somebody changed, someone had a baby and wanted to do it a different way. Someone moved to another state and then you get these great traditions that you might not have otherwise, too. So I think remembering that, for instance, my family is very traditional at Christmas and there we're from Wisconsin. I was the bad one that moved away to Arizona <laughs> and I'm the oldest. And so I was the first one to kind of rock the holiday boat. And I went back to Wisconsin for a few years and then realized this is dumb. We are whisper fighting in my childhood bedroom or on no sleep. We paid, you know, $2,000 to come here. The weather is horrible. Our flight is canceled. And I saw everybody for a total of like two hours because we all had, you know, siblings had in-laws to go to all of that. And it was like, I needed to be uncomfortable for a couple of years and make my parents especially a little uncomfortable for a couple of years. But now they love it and come to us and we have the best time. And, they, you know, I did that before we even had kids because we were just so miserable doing it. And I'm like, this is making me not enjoy my family. Why would I keep doing this? But now we have new traditions because of that. So I think reminding yourself that that like, yes, it might be uncomfortable, but you might start something new that ends up being your favorite family thing that you do because you were willing to, you know, shake things up a little bit. So mm -hmm. I mean, I was my sister in law and my brother got married when they were quite young. I mean, right out of college. And my sister in law came to our first Christmas and we had all slept together in the same room before Christmas. I mean, Christmas Eve, all the siblings slept in one room. 
And we were 22. And my sister-in-law was like, this is weird. And it's a no for me. Like, I'm not sleeping with my boyfriend and his three weird sisters. And we were genuinely appalled. Like, what? This is what we do on Christmas Eve. I guess you hate Christmas. And she was like, what are you, 10? Like, get over yourselves. And I mean, she was nice about it, but she was definitely sort of like, okay, weirdos, no. And she wasn't like, I'm stating my boundaries. But I do think that Every, that's it. I mean, would we have done it till we were 35? Possibly. And it would have been totally unsightly. Right. At some time, these things have to change, right? I mean, things do have to change, but change is really, really hard for people. We talked to um, Suzanne Katzmiller. She does the Interfaith Family Journal, and it's about, it's a workbook for people bringing in different family traditions, specifically religious traditions. But even if you're both East Coast Irish Catholics who celebrate Christmas on Christmas morning, like you do everything in the same way, there's still the weird like sibling sleepover, or maybe you don't want to get in the matching pajamas. Like there's still going to be boundaries to explore. Or like you said, what happens when mom and dad are not mom and dad of their immediate cozy little family anymore, but their grandma and grandpa. And now you, you know what I mean? Like that, those roles shift. So the traditions kind of have to shift with that. That's right. And she uses this term that I thought was really useful, which is the sacred circle. And like your sacred circle changes throughout your life. So like as a your original, let's say family of origin was mom, dad and kids. That was your sacred circle. But then when you get married, you move into that person's sacred circle. And it's hard and it's a hard transition. But I think if you don't, if you try to live in both sacred circles, it doesn't work at all. And so figuring out new traditions, is that something like when you made your change, Erica, was that something that you sat down and had a conversation with everyone about? I assume the conversation started with your spouse and then you took it? Yeah, I think, like I said, literally whisper fight, you know, the fight you do in front of family. So we're, you know, in my childhood bedroom with posters up on the wall and whatever, and just like going at each other's throat, right? And in tears and really like I we had a flight home where we just talked about it the whole time. Like, why are we doing this? Like, what is the point of this? We are missing out on any quality time at Christmas. We're getting back, you know, Christmas is done and over with and we have had no personal time. What would this look like when we have kids? And then, yeah, had some really honest, tearful conversations with my parents because they were, you know, again, I was the first. I got married pretty young. So I still had a couple siblings at home even at the time. And so it was really hard on top of the fact that we live in another state. Now we're not coming home for Christmas, you know. But again, I think part of it, too, is things change. And so like then when we had kids, when they were little, we stayed home. But now we're like, hey, come join us. It's not as much upheaval for the, you know what I mean? Like everything changes just because you do something one year doesn't mean that's how you always have to do it. It's okay to say what works for you in this season and then go from there. And Kelsey, let's talk a little bit about the, oh, and you wouldn't mind being on the committee. And hey, could you get the Secret Santa gifts for everyone? And hey, we're having the Hanukkah event. And would you mind bringing stuff? Like, how do we set boundaries and not, because I do think this is where the resentment piece comes in, right? That you end up, I got a robe on Christmas morning and it's just like, 
I hate everyone. And the holiday was a night. You were just the elf or whatever your tradition was that that created all the magic. And then you end the day in a pile of like wrapping paper and dishes and hating the world. How do we avoid that, Kelsey? (laughs) I'm just laughing because it's just so relatable. Oh, okay. So I guess I do kind of think about going back to like looking at October, November, December, or at least November, December, and just kind of taking stock of what your bandwidth is going to be and just kind of recognizing, okay, I'm kind of already heading into the holidays with a little bit lower bandwidth. I still have a toddler. So just my time at home, just mornings and evenings can be very depleting and just recognizing that and giving myself credit for that. And I think then just at the start of it, giving myself permission, like I am going to be willing to say no to things or if something comes to me and I don't immediately feel like, yes, I can definitely do that or I want to do that. I have permission to say no. And some advice that my mom gave me a long time ago, because I am, I can be a people pleaser. I am like a worrier if I have done anything wrong, disappointed anyone. And she told me, don't feel guilty if you haven't done anything wrong. And I think about that often. Is it wrong to say, no, I can't bring those extra cupcakes for the holiday party? No, that is fine. Like that's nothing that you need to feel guilty about. It's a yes or no question and you answered it no and that's fine. Exactly. No was an option and I answered no. (laughs) You chose it. (laughs) Yeah. And I chose no. That's the one I chose. And you, I know you've talked about it on your podcast and and I, this really... stuck out to me, that boundaries are not about handling crazy people, which is sometimes what we think, or as we say, crazy makers, right? Like people who are just chaos agents. It's about how you want your life to look. So let's finish there. Like, what does that mean? What is that distinction? Because I I think I get it, but I want to make sure. Well, I think it's it kind of goes along with what Kelsey was saying, where to me, if it's not a heck yes, it's a no. You know, if because what you're going to end up with otherwise is looking around at all of your things that were like, meh, or I didn't really want to do that. And then your life is full of meh, and I didn't want to do that. And that's where the resentment comes from. That's where this like, I don't even recognize myself or my life. I didn't want to be this person. So you have to pay attention and And first of all, spend some time thinking, how do I want the holidays to feel? How do I want my life to feel? How do I want our weeknights as a family to feel? Are we good with going to sports every night or do we need more downtime than that? And scheduling and then fiercely protecting that downtime. And by fiercely protecting, I don't mean from the big bad outside world, but like from yourself who just wants to say yes to everybody and saying, no, I have decided or we've decided as a family that we need two weeknights with no activities to not feel crazy and and stick to that and not fill up that calendar just because it technically is a blank space. Do you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. And it gives you an easy no, which is like, oh, I can't do that. It's Tuesday. I'm, I'm otherwise committed. I'm committed to my bed. You don't need to know that, but I'm otherwise committed. It's the less is more. Uh-huh. It's the less is more. You don't exactly need to know all of my reasons why. I really love this conversation. I think everyone should take his homework to take a pause tonight and th- have a conversation. What is our holiday? What do we want our holidays to look like? And what is getting in the way of that? And what boundaries can we set? And you don't have to walk around to people and be like, we've set a boundary. You can just say, 
we're just going to say we're busy these nights. These are going to be our down nights. This is, I think we skip the part where we make the plan and then we kind of go through life. And by we, I mean me going like, what? Yeah, I guess so. And then that's how yeah. your life is suddenly. And we forget it gives other people permission to do the same. I have had so many people say to me when I'm like, you know what? We just really need some downtime this weekend. They're like, oh, that sounds like a really good idea. We actually do too. You know, it's like, but no one wants to say it out loud. So be the first person to say it out loud. Why don't we do that as well? No one wants to do everyone a favor and say no. Kelsey, Erica, tell our audience where they can listen to more of your brilliance. Your boundary queenness. We have a really great episode, I think from two years ago, but it remains relevant where we did an entire episode on what we are not doing this holiday season. It was a great episode all about boundaries, but everyone can find us, the Girl Next Door podcast on any podcast platform. We are Hi Girls Next Door on Instagram and our website is girlnextdoorpodcast.com. We will link to that episode and to all of those places in the show notes. And Kelsey and Erica, thank you so much. This is a great conversation. Thanks for having us. Thank you. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, whew, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. Feel like you're the martyr in your family? You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a No Guilt Mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model so that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt-free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the No Get Mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows.